Welcome back, everybody, to Rules of the Arena podcast. And I am back this week with Edwin Rojas. He is the president of Rojas Talent Group. And since the age of 10, when he first walked into a magic shop, Edwin had made entertainment his career. Uh, he was later a graduate, graduate excuse me, from Florida International University in business and marketing. And as a South Florida native, Edwin started working at sea during his college, uh, his college summers as a guest entertainer for the Norwegian Cruise Line. And by the 90s, he was a cruise director for Holland America Line, culminating with the 1998 World Cruise on the new flagship MS Rotterdam. And in 2001, he joined Celebrity Cruises as cruise director, and he ended up in the corporate office managing the fleet's cruise directors and finally booking and booking talent. Uh, he His marketing degree was finally put to some good use in that corporate environment. Edwin's creativity has helped him with numerous clients with projects, names, and products, and in the general understanding of the cruise industry. Rojas Talent Group and Edwin have produced shows for numerous casinos, theaters, hotels, resorts, cruise lines, and top corporations besides producing shows. He also books celebrities and entertainers for corporate-level events and casino promotions. I had a great time talking to uh, Edwin, and we went down a few rabbit holes, but it was a lot of fun, and I hope you all enjoy the show as well. Here we go. Edwin, welcome to welcome to the show. Thanks, Gordon. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Sorry. And again, thanks for being patient while I ran a little, little behind schedule today. Uh, would you mind just kind of starting off introducing yourself to folks that haven't heard of Rojas Entertainment? Sure. My name is Edwin Rojas. I was born in Miami, Florida. The last seven, eight years I've been living in Las Vegas. I've been in the arts and the performing arts since I was a young kid, 10 years old. Uh, and then since 2014, I've had my own company and we basically, two facets to the company, but used to be three, two facets of the company now, basically 60% of the business is selling uh, celebrities, mainly to casino promotions, which means a blackjack tournament with an athlete, a famous athlete or famous Hollywood star, uh, blackjack tournament, roulette tournament, slot tournament, or just an event for their elite players. Their you know their their creme de la creme on their card people, and then the other forty percent, we book tribute bands on cruise ships. I was in the cruise ship business for almost twenty five years or so, and uh, so I still supply them with with some comedians, but mainly tribute bands. Sure. Yeah. So how do you at ten years old? How do you get started? in the entertainment industry because, you know, child labor laws and stuff like that can get a little fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking before I came on here, I thought, you know, I started cruise ships, working on cruise ships when I was 17 years old. I turned 18 on them and I was drinking. And of course now you got to be 21 to work on board. Because right. 21. <laughs> so things have changed, but uh, I was a really shy kid and my mom, smart lady that she was a new magic a magic shop open near where we lived she bought me some tricks and i started doing it i realized hey i'm pretty good at this and i love what i'm doing and i make people happy and it brought me out of my shell i mean if we went to a party i was the kid to sat in the corner and didn't say anything to anybody the whole day just the way i was i was my family very outgoing my friends outgoing but if i didn't know you i'd shut up and um I was really that way till I became a cruise director, probably in the early 90s. So I was late 20s or so. And at Holland America Line, which is where I was working, it started in 91 there. Um, one of the responsibilities of the cruise director was to go to all these parties every night. You know, there was, if you had 10 or more people, they'd throw a party for you and had to go and 
kibitz with him and talk to him and chat to him. And that really broke me out of my, my shyness. And now I'm gregarious and talk to everybody. And it drives my sons crazy. When we live in Florida, there's, there's toll roads. And I would stop at the toll road, pay my toll and talk to the lady. Hey, how are you today? Hey, there's only a hundred days of Christmas, blah, 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 whatever it may be. And my son's dad, shut up. Let's go. You know, but I talk to everybody and I tell them all the time, everyone has a story. Talk to people. You never know. Everyone has a story. Some are okay. And some are just fascinating. And, you know, and you never know who that fascinating person is going to be. So, yeah, that, that's how I started uh, breaking out of my shyness as a kid. Worked my way through high school doing that. It's the only job I've ever had. Then I worked my way through college every uh, summer when I wasn't in school, I'd perform on the cruise ships. And that's how I started a 25 year career at sea before I started my company. When you're performing on the cruise ship, were you still doing the magic tricks or in the sleight of hand or? Yeah, not sleight of hand. I was, uh, I was going to say I was a doofus. I made people laugh sure. and smile. I was a comedian, <laughs> but I did, you know, a couple tricks, but mainly everything was about making people happy and smiling. And uh, so I always said I did comedy magic. Sure. And then I did that through Holland America line that I just mentioned before. They hired me in nine. I had worked on cruise ships before then doing my show and being an assistant cruise director and being a cruise director, which is in charge of the entire entertainment department on board the vessel. Uh, you have all, in charge of all the musicians, all the shows, all the singers and dancers, all the speakers, the lectures, um, all the youth department. There's youth departments on board. Uh, some On some of the cruise lines, you're also in charge of the shore excursions, which sell the tickets to go on tours when you land on a, in a port. Um, but yeah, I just, I did that as much as I could and I loved it. And then when I got to Holland America line, they said, we'll hire you as an assistant for a couple, for a year, maybe two. And at that time, Holland, it, to me was that it was the company. I've always wanted to work there. Great reputation, over a hundred years old, the company sailed all around the world, incredible product, incredible people working there. And they said, but we, but you can't perform anymore. And like, and it really irked me for six months. And I said, you know what? It's a great move. And I just moved on. I performed when I had a microphone in my hand and I didn't need all the props. I was still funny. I still made people feel good. I still made people laugh. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, and their idea behind it is if you're a performer, you need to have all that energy when you're on stage. So on ships, you got to do two shows a night. If the ship has 4,000 people, the theater only holds 2,000. So there's a show at seven, a show at nine or eight and 10, whatever. Anyway, whatever the show is, you got to repeat it twice. So by the time the second show came around, if you were working all day as a cruise director up from seven in the morning, you're out of energy and there's no way that is your top show. And Holland America had the policy of you can't perform. You're either a cruise director or you're a performer, but you can't do both. And at first, as I said before, I wasn't in favor of that policy. But once I was there and got the groove and realized that's a very smart policy to get the best shows they can and to get the best performance from the cruise director and cruise staff throughout the day. So, yes. And I, I, I mean, just answer for your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. It's perfect. Uh, and I, I understand that. I mean, I, I work full time and then I do a podcast as well. And, you know, by the end of the week, you know, Friday night, it's like, can I just get six hours of silence? Please? Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Man. I mean, people don't realize, oh, even though you say, well, you're sitting at a desk all day. Yeah, but you still have to have energy to produce and have passion for that. If you're running low on energy, it's, you know, you'll, 
try your best, but it's never your best performance. Right. And you see that a lot in sports. People know the team, the away team always performs worse. Yeah. They're on an airplane for three or four hours to get there, checking into a hotel, trying to get some sleep. And sometimes they have two or three of those in a row. The performance is never there. And that's why it's traveling is tough. Mm-hmm. We're just not having the energy. Right. Right. But to just wind it back a little bit, I mean, how did you go? You said you started in the cruise industry uh, at 17. I mean, yeah, I suppose being in Florida, you're not there. You're you're not they're not an uncommon sight. Was that you saw one and you go, that's where I want to work one day or was it? Kind of almost, man, you almost got it. <laughs> uh, as I said before, I started as a comedy. Magician. I was 10 years old performing magic. The only job I ever had me. My maternal side is all in education. So. They said, you can do anything you want, but you have to have an education. And I said, okay, that's a fair deal. So I went to college and me being the big guy, I'm going to move out of my parents' house, have my own place. I had my own apartment a mile and a half from my parents' house. Ooh, I really moved away. But anyway, I had my own place. But come this in Miami at that time, between May and September, October, hurricane season, hot and humid. There was no conventions or, or nor tourists there. Nobody really came to Miami in the summertime. Now it's it's a year-round city, but back then it was different. So then there was no shows. I was doing kids' birthday parties as a performer, but that really wouldn't pay the rent. I needed bigger shows to do, and I, I couldn't pay the rent. I was putting my rent on a credit card, and I said, this isn't going to work out. The ending to this story is really ugly. I need something else. So sure enough, somebody said, oh, you know, all those cruise ships. And as you said, I saw them every day of my life as a kid sailing out Friday, Saturday, Sundays and Mondays out of the port of Miami. Oh, the ships. OK, whatever. My family could afford it. Whatever. It's a cruise ship. It's a vacation. I had no idea there were shows on board. But somebody said, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody said there are magicians and performers and comedians on every one of those ships. I go, oh, ding, light bulb went off. Now, this is early 80s. I graduated high school in 81. I'm 58 in case anybody is trying to do the math. Uh, So uh, there was no internet. So I basically mailed by U.S. Postal Service flyers, resumes to all the cruise lines, and 90% of them were based in Miami. And then the other month when I didn't mail on something, I personally go and knock on their door unannounced cold call and some would take let me come in for five minutes oh yeah leave your stuff there some would just blow me off you know the reception sorry they won't see you today but i did that for six months and i got my foot in the door and sure enough i got a, a norwegian cruise line ncl as they're called called me in and they said would you like to work two weeks and if you work out we'll get you on for four months I go, well i can't do four months because i got to go back to school well, okay. So I did my two weeks. They loved me. And I stayed there for three, four months, well, two and a half, three months of my summer break in college for four years. And when I graduated college, I realized I really loved doing this. And I stayed at sea performing. And then eventually a cruise director saw me and said, you know, you've got the personality to do what I do. I go, Nah, that's not my thing. I was a party animal. I was staying up all night when the sun was rising. I had breakfast and I went to bed and I saw them waking up and going to work. And I go, no way. I have to flip my whole lifestyle. Right. But it stuck in my head because I was I always loved the business part of show business more than actually doing the show. And um Sure enough, I said, you know, wow, cruise director, assistant cruise director, you really, it's 
the business of show with more business in the show. And it's kind of hit in my cranium. I can do this. And I did it. And I became an assistant for two years and I was promoted right away. And I did it for 20 years. Not to beat a dead horse this on the cruise side. I know we're, I do want to get to the you, you opening and no, running. No, I business, quit the cruise side, man. It, <laughs> the cruise side is fascinating. It's like all cruise. You know, I grew up on ships. It taught me everything I know about this business. Uh, I met my wife on ships. My best friends I met on ships. All my relate, acquaintances are from ships. I did it for 20, 25 years. I ended up in the corporate office. Uh, booking all the entertainers for a major cruise line. I had a million dollar budget per month and I loved it, you know, and then 2008 big recession came. I was let go next day. Everybody else in my department was let go. And then I said, Hey, I'm going to start my own thing. So I'm sorry. You can ask anything yeah. you want to. No, I'm just curious. So I, I went on, how was it? One cruise, I think, uh, I be when I was probably about as tall as a, or up to a knee on a grasshopper. <laughs> But I, I remember, you know, for me, it was just exciting being that young and then getting, you know, like look out and there's ocean, the islands and everything sure. else that you see. But when you're a performer on there, you do. you said you do two shows a night. Is that seven days a week or do they give you a, a little oh, bit more time off? It's usually one night a week and you have six nights to do nothing or on some back then. Now it's like that because now they're really putting a lot of money into entertainment. They have the performers do one show and maybe the last night of the cruise, every entertainer does 10 or 15 minutes, like a old fashioned variety show Ed Sullivan type thing. Um, but when I was out there, you did one main show 45 minutes twice. So the whole night was yours. And you might have done another 15 or 20 minutes to open for a singer or a comedian to make one, you know, a little bit of like if a comedian said, I only really have 30 tight minutes. They'll say, Oh, we'll put the magician in front of them for 15 minutes or so. So really you work two like at best two nights a week and five nights to entertain yourself. The bar yeah. bill was a lot. <laughs> Knowing how, how I spent money in, in my younger, you know, early twenties. Oh. <laughs> I mean, how do you balance out the, the, money to fund ratio, you know, still have, because when you get back, I mean, you still have bills to pay and worry about. Absolutely. You just still have bills to pay, but you know, there was a lot of people on ships, even when I managed them as a cruise director, that they would open up their envelope back then you used to be, get paid cash on board in the old days. Now, of course, you know, you got to just report it to the government back then you get an envelope every other week or every week and you decide and your money was there. Some people would have an IOU. You owe us hundred dollars. You drank too much this week. <laughs> and a lot of musicians, unfortunately, but yeah, you had to budget yourself. And I think my thing, what I don't even remember what my budget was back then, but yes. And there were some weeks that you, you saw a nice looking girl and you chased her or whatever, and your bar tab went up and, you know, so, <laughs> so, but you know, you're a young person, you know, as long as I paid my rent, I made sure I could pay my bills, what my other, you know, my utilities, credit card bill, whatever I had. And the rest of me was save, save when you're old. I'm right. blowing it. I'm having a good time. <laughs> you know, in the cruise ship, the food is amazing, simply amazing food. And you, after being there two or three weeks, you're tired of it. Oh, let's go to lunch. Oh, let's go to dinner. You know, and you're spending hundreds of dollars a week going out to dinner, you know, and this is 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you know. So it's, uh, it was a lot cheaper back then. I remember on our cruise, we were to be like at sea for one, maybe two days, but then it'd make a stop somewhere in our case down around the Yucatan, same kind of schedule for you. So within those five days, you're just not trapped on that boat. I mean, you get to go out Correct. and explore different areas. 
I, Gordon, I've traveled the whole world besides the Suez Canal and, and Antarctica. I pretty much know the world. If there's a port there that a ship can come alongside, I've been there. North America, of course, Canadian Maritimes, Alaska, South America, Central America, Caribbean, some of Africa, some parts of Africa, the Mediterranean. I was a specialist. In Met- I used to go Barcelona to Venice, Italy every summer for like six or seven summers. I, it's my favorite part of the world. I know French Polynesia, Asia, Australia. So yes, you would go out, even when you're a cruise director, you're working every day. Uh, by noon, you probably, if the ship was in port, by noon, you're done. You probably got to back, come back to work at four or five o'clock. I would always go out to lunch and walk around and see something, come back, take a power nap, and then go on for the night's activities. But yes, you would go out and explore. Absolutely. Was it tough then transitioning? You said you're in the corporate office for a few years. I mean, to have that, the, the freedom of it. Yeah. I was a, I was a field rep for my company for three years and I, I loved the freedom. The best part of the job was the freedom. The worst part of the job was the freedom. (laughs) Well, the best part of the job of working on land, when I finally got on land in the corporate office, I saw my family every night and that was huge to me. The worst part I think was besides the commute, I was living 70 miles one way from my office. So I was traveling an hour 15. Uh, there was one day I left my house at 6, 6.30 in the morning and I got to my office at 10.30 and I was livid. And my secretary said, you look terrible. I go, I could have been on a plane in London by now. It was crazy. <laughs> no, but, but the first three or four months, the hardest thing was not having an afternoon nap. And uh, because on cruise ships, when you're working, you're working up at seven and you finish around one in the morning and you're going full time, seven days a week four to five months at a time. Then you go home. I always said I took all my weekends together. So you're working seven days a week for four months. Then you go home for one or two months and do nothing. So all my weekends and holidays are together. But when I was working in the corporate office, yeah, you're up early, you're going and yeah, you leave at six or seven at night. But like you said, you know, you're, you're drained of your giving it full power. And then like after lunch and after I tried to have a coffee and like, but you're still like, Oh, I need a nap. And I, it took me two months to break that habit of not having the nap. You just got to keep going, you know? And then you get home like, Oh, you're dead. And come Friday after that long commute, you're like, Oh, I was done, done, done. <laughs> yeah. The weekends I'd wash the car. And I said, I'm, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm staying right. home. Yeah. So in 2008, after getting out, did you stay or transition to another cruise company? Or is that when you decided this is my time to start the company? Well, I was already in the corporate office. I Being on the ships, working on, the, I always said by the age of 40, you've got to get off. It's As I said, it's seven days a week, 16 hours a day, sometimes 18 hours a day, and you don't have no break. It's really tough. And so in my mind, I said, by the age of 40, I need to do something else. So I was actually 42 or 43 when I got off ships, but I had, so I knew I wasn't going to go back to ships. So I had to, I got a, I had two jobs to go to through a guest that was on the ships. He was one of the part owner, owners of uh, Morton Steakhouse. And he had set up an appointment with me with the Morton Steakhouse next day. And, and they had hired me and said, you want the job, you got accepted by this day, you'll be an assistant manager and we'll go from there. And I knew I was really good with people. I'm detail oriented. I knew I'd end up being the manager one day. I said, okay, that's it. And then I had a chance to go in the corporate office for celebrity cruises. And it was uh, going to be in charge of all the cruise directors, the official, the first job. So I said, if I don't get that, 
my plan B is to go and uh, take this Morton Steakhouse assistant manager job. But anyway, I got the job and I said five years later, 2008 came around and I was let go. And in my mind, I had never been let go of any job in my life. And uh, and. And still to this day, I was stupid. I never took unemployment. I know you, I didn't know you could take unemployment. They gave me a severance. Like, well, I was happy with that. And the funny thing is my wife and I had purchased this house in 2000. We moved in in 2001, brand new home. And for the eight years, we're like, should we get a pool? Nah, I can't afford a pool. Should we get a pool? Nah, I get a pool. I said, things are going great, honey. Let's get a pool. And, I, and we, <laughs> so it was being built. The day I was let go is the day they got the CO for the pool. It was done complete. We can go in according to the city government. It's free. So I got fired that day or let go, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I was like, I guess, whatever. And that day the pool was done. So I laid by the pool for three months, having a good time. (laughs) And the money ran out. So I need to get a job. And I got a job actually as an agent for a company called Barry Ball Artists. And they are the largest agency for the cruise ship industry. So I kind of knew what I was doing. I kind of learned the thing. And then I realized uh, I love the owner. I just said, you know, I can do this for myself and do it a little bit differently. And that's what I did. So uh, I was there a year and a half or so. And then I moved on with his blessing. So it was all good. During the time, were you able to kind of lean on your old contacts to for booking jobs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh through Barry Ball, he really wanted me to come into, he wanted to diversify. I mean, all his eggs, he was a, a multi-million dollar company uh, and all his eggs were in the cruise ship business. And it's a little foreshadowing now because he's like, if something happens to a cruise ship, what happens to me? And sure enough, you know, we, we've all, well, even ourselves um, with COVID done, yeah. you know, he, everything's just coming back online now and nowhere near as before COVID. But my job when he hired me was to bring in outside business, either corporate work, casinos, et cetera. And I was bringing casinos. And one day I was servicing a South Florida casino account. And the lady who was the booker there, she goes, you know, you're really good at what you do. You should work for yourself. And I don't know what got into me, but I said, really? She goes, yeah, absolutely. You should work for yourself. I go, if I work for myself, would you give me your business? She goes, absolutely. So I went home, I incorporated and I was scared as hell to do it. I had never really worked for myself. I was supporting a family, two sons, you know, and sure enough. So I, for, I think this is in April and August 1st, I started the company four months later. So, yeah. Did you ever have that inkling before that conversation? Like just that little voice in the back of the head saying, yeah, you can do this. Yes. You, know? <laughs> you know, ever since high school, even junior high, I was reading business week. As I said before, I love business. I love the study of business. I, even to this day, the news that I most go to New York times, I go to the business section first. Um, it's what I love. So in my mind, yeah, I always had the dream of working for myself, being my own boss. And uh, yes, it took me a, a long time to do it, but I did it, you know, uh, and, I was in my forties. So <laughs> yeah, it was uh mid twenties. I ran my own business for a short while and glad I did it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the experience and what I learned for the world. But uh, if I could go back and just smack myself up back side of the head a few times, because <laughs> that's why I'm now in corporate America, because yeah. that that fell apart. But it it did land me what I what was supposed to be a part time gig. And well, I'm still with the company eight years later. Good. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Absolutely. But when you, going home, go I imagine you talked to your family and said, hey, I want to incorporate this. 
I mean, what was that conversation like? Did they try to talk you out of it or even friends for that matter? My wife is the most easygoing person. She goes, if you want to do it, you think we do it, go for it. And she's been a thousand percent supportive of everything I do. The better story is I was working on two major projects here in Las Vegas. I was living in South Florida. I was born in Miami, lived in West Palm Beach. The last 20 years I was there. We moved here in 14, seven, eight years ago, seven years ago. Um, And this is the conversation I thought this is going to be interesting, but I was flying here two to three times a month for these two projects we were doing. And I went something out of the blue. I just told her on a Sunday, we're sitting by the pool. We live by the pool. And I said, what do you think if we moved? She goes to where I go. How about Las Vegas? She goes, why? Well, I'm flying there two, three times a month. We'd probably say four to five, maybe six grand every month just in travel. She goes, yes. I go, really? Just like that. And she had never, ever, ever been here. My wife is British, so down to earth. I'm crazy. And she well, you know, brings me down. Yin and yang. We're a great, great couple, great relationship. And sure enough, I said, book tickets. And I said, I've got to put it in a really nice hotel or this is going to go bad. So I, I found a thing online, the Wynn Hotel for four nights, airfare, uh, I think four or $500 um, hotel credit for like two grand. I go, I'm there. She got in. She was really impressed with the wind. The wind is a beautiful property. Still is to my day, one of my favorite properties on the strip. And we I said, we got to find a house. We got four days to find a house. And Las Vegas, and anybody will tell you here, is not known for its school system. And uh, there's really two in the whole, there's two and a half, 2.2 million people in the valley. And uh, it's really 30 miles long and probably 10, 15 miles wide. And uh, there was two school, two areas we had to be in. And the one area we found the right school, couldn't find a house by it, found the right house, school sucked by it. Finally, on day four, running out of time, oh my, day three, we're running out of time. We go, oh my God, we only have a day. We got to find a house. My friend calls me out of the blue. You should look by us. I go, yeah, but those houses are too expensive. I just want to rent. She goes, oh, no, you, there's a neighborhood just down the street. It's much less expensive. You should look there. In fact, I have a realtor friend. I'll call her. She's going to call you. Next day, we found the perfect house. My friend says, let's go. So this was in June. In seven weeks, we had packed up a three-bedroom house in Florida, put everything on a truck, moved it all here, and we were here. And now I look back, as you say, you know, when you're older and you look back, I should have done this, this, and this. I should have started my company way earlier than I did. And when you move transcontinental, sell everything and just buy it new. It's so much easier. (laughs) So, so much easier. Oh, this is scratch and that broke. Who cares? Just sell it, buy it new, and it's over. Yeah, I was getting to that point. I moved just, well, I moved south uh, only about an hour and a half and halfway through loading the truck up as, you know, I just want to put everything in the backyard and have a bonfire and just start over at this point. (laughs) Yeah, my in-laws are from, my wife is British. They moved from England. They went to Spain for 10 years or so, maybe a little over. And when they moved, they sold everything. But I think one piece of furniture was a family heirloom. And I look back and I, they're, they're smart, you know, they're really smart. And another thing, my I used, when I first met my in-laws and they're the greatest people in the world, my father-in-law can talk to a broomstick. <laughs> Welsh, and he talks to everybody. When we moved in Florida, we had lived there for a year. And I knew my direct neighbors and across the street. 
Within four days, he knew everybody on that street. I go, Louis, he goes, you just got to talk to people. And he's right. You just got to talk to people, you know, but uh, they never watch the news. I go, how can they not watch the news? And I, actually, I'm not watching the news now. My life is so much better. I was in May of this year. I've been a news junkie my whole life, read multiple newspapers online, multiple sites, news at night on television, whatever. In May, I stopped. We spent our summer in England. I put on the the BBC for highlights of the world for 10 seconds. And now I watch on CBS Morning News. I think it's called CBS Mornings. It's their morning chat show. They have the world. They recap the world in 90 seconds. I watch that. I go away and I go to work, you know, and I, I feel better, less stress. The president said this. I don't care. So it's a, I don't care. You know, the, what the mayor does affects me much more than what the president does. Yeah, I, remember, I took advice from another show uh, and they talked about the sphere of influence. You know, can you directly influence what's around you? Exactly. Or does it directly affect you? Yes or no. And follow that flow chart. And yeah, I stopped. Yeah, I was in the, I'm in the same boat. I stopped worrying about the news in college. You know, I was a poli sci major along with history and teaching. And, you know, I was reading three, four different newspapers and constantly watching the news after getting home. And it's, yeah, it's well, I've it got to know what's happening in the world. I've got yeah. to know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it yeah. doesn't matter. And it's, yeah. you know, to what you just said, that that little book that came out probably a decade ago, 20, two decades ago, don't sweat the small stuff. Basically the same thing. If you can't control it, why worry about it? You know, it'll, it'll pan itself out. My mom, God rest her soul, always said it'll all work out in the end. And it does. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all, oh my God, I can't I have no money for this. And it, and it happens. Oh, the money came or whatever, or you make get a lot of money. Oh, and sure enough, uh, there's a big bill coming and it goes away. It's just the way it happens. That's the power of nature or the internet or not the internet, the universe or God, whatever you want to say. It's, it's just the way it works. It'll always work out. So since moving, landing in Vegas, uh, you know, seven-ish years now and moving your business over there, I mean, have thing, did things get easier with you? I mean, I think everybody... If you think Vegas, you think casinos, you think the entertainment, the shows and everything going on. Was it easier? Is it a real saturated market for that? It's a very saturated market, but it's been great for my business. Um, Entertainers have a plethora of agencies to sign with. And if you say, oh, you're from Vegas, they think, oh, Vegas is a big entertainment halo effect. Made everything a lot easier uh, for clients that I book with and to grasp and to grab talent to represent. So it's been really good for me. How did you sucks, but it's been good for me. (laughs) (laughs) How, how do you, how did you in the beginning, at least uh, when you're still in South Florida and then into Vegas, set yourself apart from the competition, you know, me being in sales for as long as I have, you know, so the best advice I got was people buy from people. And I imagine it's kind of in the same realm as that with you. It's all relate. It's all personal relationships. And uh, I think my two people like me, I'm very amicable to people. Uh, I'm not abrasive and uh, I'm very detail oriented and I'm very punctual. If you said be there at two o'clock, I'm always there at 150, 145, but I'm never late. If I'm late, something happens to the car. There was a big accident, but I'm never late. And uh, people, you know, 90% of my business, maybe more is on email and people send an email. Oh my God, your email is like instant messaging. I go, 
if I don't answer the email, I'm not going to eat. So yes, you know, and I know some people like trying to, I book celebrities and you, some big agencies, you send them an email two days later, you send them another one. They even fax them. I go, fax died in 1999. And they still want to fax. I fax them. I call them. And like, oh yeah, how you doing? There's no urgency and it drives me nuts. You know, I'm very on top of it. So, and like you said, you know, and you wine and dine people and people like you and send you business. Do you find yourself more now where you seem like your established company are more agencies coming to you at this point? Or are you still having to go out and try to find them? Both, but I'm going to be honest with you after COVID now, I mean, it's like starting a company from scratch all over again. And I thought it was just me. I think, you know, but I have friends that have also have agencies or specialize in musicians or specialize in uh, comedians. And, you know, you have your little circle of people that you, you bounce ideas off and you call them and everyone is suffering right now. The same thing. Uh, let's say Gordon, you were the booker for MGM resorts. We had a relationship and you were giving me four contracts a month, whatever. Well, Gordon now got fed up with COVID and retired. Or Gordon took a took his severance and is going to move somewhere else. But right now he's sitting by the pool having fun. Or Gordon was let go. So all in pretty much cruise lines, casinos, corporations that had an event department, like a big company like IBM, and you're the event producer that works under the marketing department. You do all their event uh, employee events and conventions or whatever. It seems that all those people in all these industries have changed either by retiring, being let go during COVID. So me, I got to reestablish all those you know, all those connections again, and doing it by mass emailing, calling, uh, hiring a publicist, putting ads on LinkedIn, putting ads on Google, just doing everything. And it's coming last week. It started finally coming around like Monday of last week. It was like, oh, it's like pre-COVID. It's great. And I call my friends. Yeah. They say, whatever happened, everyone, I don't know, there's an energy and something's happening again as of last week. So I'm thankful, I'm blessed, and I'm hoping it comes around again. Even if it's three quarters of, a, of a, what it was before COVID, I'd be very happy. But it's getting there, but it's not there yet. Yeah. And for me, I, I watch my sales like a hawk. You know, first thing I do when I come in the morning is pull up my spreadsheet. How am I doing? How do I do yesterday? How does it compare overall year to year? Blah, blah. When COVID hit, <clears throat> things were you know, and we were kind of fine, but Wisconsin shut down and it's the day after the state shut down, I watched my sales drop through the floor and I, I about paced a trench in my floor and I ended up dropping well about 40% year over year at that point. And I was sitting there questioning, you know, yes, I, I'm, I have this nice cushion because I have a multi-billion dollar company at my back. You as a self-employed business owner, how, I mean, at any point in there, did you go, <laughs> You're it was uh i am the most upbeat positive person in the world uh i had summer of 2020 was the most in our books was going to be the summer of summers for our company march 15th it starts to go away you know covid's really big it's all you hear 
I'm sucked into the news. I was still a news junkie then. I couldn't freaking turn it off. It was crazy. And then the cruise ships are calling this contract canceled. This one canceled. Oh, it's a couple. And in my mind, it's March, April, May, three months. By June, we're going again. You know, here we are 18 months later and it's still not going again. But anyway, I was in denial. I was a complete denial. And as I look back, I, I, was, I think I was clinically depressed. I don't know. I've never been to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I woke up, would come. And by April 30th, the summer was wiped out. Everything was clean. Nothing was happening. Come, and I usually have wake up to be in West Coast base. Most of the entertainment decision makers are on the East Coast. That's mostly of America, as you probably know, being in the Midwest. Um, so by the time I get to my computer at 6.37 in the morning, there's usually 50 emails there, something to do. Come in, nothing. Not even people trying to sell me anything, nothing. It's like, oh my God. So after lunch, I go take a nap. I was depressed. Next day, oh, nothing. And it's like, so yeah, I save for a rainy day. But after a year of that, there is no more rainy day. You're, you're done, you know. And luckily, there was a program here uh, in Nevada for uh, pretty much, you know, sole proprietorships or people, one or two employees. Um, we had uh, unemployment. I never took an unemployment in my life. And that's I survived on that. And then all of a sudden, the Small Business Administration, thank you, U.S. government, had a, a program to help um businesses, uh, you know, uh, affected by the COVID pandemic. And I took a loan and I took the maximum loan I could get. And it was 3%. And I start paying back. So what's as we start paying back this summer, they postponed it. Now it's next summer, but we survived on that. And then out of the blue, there was a, a program and I was I was bitching and moaning because every country in the world was taking care of every company in the arts, except the States. They're like, ah, in England, they're doing this. And my friends in Canada and the Australians, and we get zilch. Well, I ate my words because they came up with a grant program for companies that are drastically affected by COVID. And we had more than 90, 90, 90% of our revenue go away. So we had a nice little a grant. We just got to prove to them now where we spent it, you know, whatever. And it's the government said, thank you. And you don't have to pay it back. So I have one loan I got to pay back. I have that grant and that's how we survived. And now the money is finally coming in, you know, but I, our first check for something that came in was uh, like three months ago. And that, but that's been it. And then this month, something came in too, but now it's building. The thing in my industry, whatever I book today, contract go, I'm not going to get the money for 90 days because the job is 90 days away. Usually 60 to 90 days, that's where the job is. And when the job happens, that's when you get paid. Did you ever think at any point before the, you know, the, before the grant and the loan of maybe it's time to throw in the towel or maybe do I, I thought pivot? Of it. I thought of it. I thought maybe I just got a UPS franchise, you know, one of those UPS stores, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's not a bad gig. Okay. You wake up at seven in the morning. It opens from eight o'clock to five Saturday, half day and Sunday you're home. I, you know, and I used to like, maybe we'll have a sandwich, make a submarine shop, you know, like hoagies or sandwiches, whatever you call them, wherever you are. You know, I did think of changing, but it's, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA. It's what I know. And uh, I said, no, it's not going to get me. Finally, you know, I came out of it. I said, I, it somehow I'm going to come through this. And then 
we were already focusing the celebrity part of it. And now we're just going full. I mean, that's, it's uh, the same amount of paperwork as I always, uh, I, the analogy for me is a realtor. You can sell a $150,000 house or a million dollar house. The work is the same, but the million dollar house pays you a better commission. So for me, I can send a comedian on a ship for X, Y, Z dollars, or I can send uh, Nicole Kidman to an event it's the same amount of paperwork, but I make a lot more money with Nicole Kidman. So we're really focusing to the celebrity appearances. And here in Wisconsin, even just small town Main Street, it went from being ghost town last summer to it seems almost like the, the renaissance has come back. And there's this new revival, especially with small businesses. I, you know, huge amount of support coming back to them, local restaurants, especially. Yeah. Is that the same over in Vegas? I mean, do things Absolutely. seem to be exploding yes. back? Yeah. When, when, you know, town closed down and this town, it's 24 seven city, literally a 24 seven city. And, uh, I mean, so I don't forget what day it closed up, but the Friday, it was a Friday, Friday, the traffic's bad almost anywhere in the world here, tons of driving traffic from Southern California. I told her, let's get in the car and let's go see what's happening on the strip. It was a ghost town. I mean, casinos boarded up. They had plywood in the doors because there was no locks in the door. So they plywood the door in front of every main entrance. There was a Metro police officer with their lights on to make sure nobody went in. And, uh, and it was like deserted. And the next, I said, let's go to the next morning. Next morning, it felt like the marathon was in town. There was nobody in the street. I mean, absolutely no one. And there was a, a great photographer, and I forgot his name, but he took some great shots just of the strip all the, you know, at daytime, because at nighttime, it was even dark. There was, they didn't put on the lights Why spend the money on power when you don't need to. But there was not one car. It looked like it, would, it was photoshopped out. It was amazing. Just crazy. And then when the restaurants opened up, only for takeout. I said, we've got to support our restaurants. And these people are hurting just as much as us, if not more. And sure enough, and then it opened up a little bit more and a little bit more. Then the shows started popping up. And I think every show's open now in Las Vegas. I think Ka, Cirque's Ka was the last one. It opened within the, within the past month. Um, my wife and I went to, uh, I'm a huge musical theater fan. It's my hobby. It's my dream someday of being a producer or just giving him a check and having a producer title. But we went to see Hamilton in Los Angeles and surely you have to mask on the whole time. You have to show proof of vaccination. And we went to the theater. This is first week of October and it was 85% full. I go, that's pretty cool. You know, that's, that's not bad. They're making money. That's a 60%, 65% of Broadway show makes money. Uh, they break even at 60, 65%. Then we're, we have season tickets here to the local theater that has all the Broadway shows called the, the Smith Center. And we've been now to three or four full. We've been to several shows. They're pretty full. Restaurants are packed. So it's good to see people out and about. Yeah. I, I've signed a few of the bands that I follow and, and a few comedians. I know they last year uh, kind of summer, fall and down South throughout the winter, they're doing the outdoor shows. Did Vegas do any of that? Were you able to capitalize on that? They didn't. No, because the casinos don't really have outdoor space here. Suppose, yeah. the, the casinos run this town. It's all about the casino. I mean, I think we're one of three states that doesn't have a lottery. That's stupid. It's a gambling town. Yeah, but the <laughs> casinos, they go, they spend $10 on lottery. It's $10 less I have in my slot machine. So we have no lottery in this state. No Powerball. Um, 
most of my friends that are into the power, they, you drive to the California state line, which is 35 minutes away. There's a huge lottery store there. I think probably, probably the lottery store that makes the most amount of money. It's all Nevada residents. And, you know, two thirds of Nevada lives in Las Vegas. But uh, yeah, there is no outdoor spaces. There is in Prim, which is just by the, where I was saying in the California line, but no, they, they didn't really do much. Yeah. But yeah, the outdoor the the shed shows as they call them in our industry like in florida they were you know they were running going for it mm-hmm. and you have to you know yeah. you have to make money somehow even if you're a performer making xyz millions a year after a year and a half you know you have a lifestyle that you've been trying to maintain and the bank goes down and down and down you got to perform somewhere right. and album sales are nothing now you know right yeah yeah, I've talked to a few bands about that, but you know, mostly smaller bands, ones that, I mean, yeah. they're successful, but they're also not. They're not going to be on the cover of Rolling Stones anytime soon. And if they are, I want some. I want a little my name down on the corner or something. But <laughs> so they're not performing live. They're not making money. End of right. story. You know, you yeah. might make pennies off of Spotify or whatever, basically. And if you, if you published it, even more so. If you just performed it, probably hardly anything. You know, it's about having the rights to the publishing, but it's about live performance. And I, I can't imagine trying to navigate that now. I, you know, I've seen a bit of a resurgence in the the vinyl collectors yeah. as of late. And I think that's helping out a little bit. I know a lot of bands were selling their merchandise online, especially they had tours lined yeah. up that were canceled. But I thought it was kind of cool. I saw some bands doing the drive-through tours. So they actually book shows at drive-in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> they did that here. There was a comedy, spe- com- comedians on stage in a drive-in theater. Like, well, that's going to be tough because everyone's in their car because of COVID. Everyone's scared. You have a little speed. So they're going to perform really like I always hated performing in a live TV studio with no audience because there's no audience reaction. It's the worst, you know? Yeah. Hey, so that, that done done. You know, there's no, how do you, you can't feed off of that. You right. know, it's tough, really tough, you know. So looking back at your career as an entrepreneur in, in the entertainment industry, I mean, what's been some of your favorite moments? There's one a lot. I mean, I like making people happy. And like when you, like a, a casino client in South Florida, it was their 25th anniversary and we produced shows for them. I want to say it was 10 days in a row, seven days in a row. I don't know. It was like 10 years ago. I can't remember now. And seeing that client come up to me and give me a big hug. Oh my God, this is better than I expected. That's a great feeling. Um, booking Nicole Kidman uh, right before the world stopped. It was like the last big thing we did. And, you know, stars at that level. And she is like the number one actress right now in, in Hollywood anyway. She decided she was going to do it. We went back and forth how to get her there. It was really tough, convoluted um, negotiations with her manager and her agents. And but you know, I was saying, God, I hope this goes well. So, and I had to move that day. So I'm like moving, and it's in the back of my mind. Oh, I hope this is going well. So the next day, so that night at midnight, finally the dust settles. I shoot them an email next morning when I wake up. It's there. They go, Oh my God, Edwin, she was the nicest person in the world. She couldn't. She asked several times, "Can I do anything else for you?" It's like, oh, thank God it went well. Those are great things, you know. Uh, when I was a performer, you see people laughing and applauding, and you know, you're making them escape reality. You know, it's a, a 45 minutes or an hour and a half show, whatever it may be, and they're just 
let go of reality and enjoying the, the, the performance art for what it is. And it's great to have, you know, life is tough. Like you, you and I are, we clocked out of the news because life is tough and getting tougher. We don't want to know about it. You know, I, I want to live my life and share my time with my friends and loved ones around me and not have that burden of the world imploding on my shoulder. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much bandwidth that we can handle and why give exactly. up X amount of that yes. over to the to the news yep. or whatever the case may be. But on the flip side of that, I mean, has yep. there been any moments where you're yeah. just pulling your Agreed. hair out? <laughs> oh, can you hear me? It's breaking up. Oh, there we go. There you go. Oh, you know what? Let me make one tweak here. Maybe not. Yeah, there's a Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Real professional outfit here at Rules of the Real Studio. Hey, it happens everywhere. <laughs> but I, on the flip it's side of... When you really need the cell phone, it never works. <laughs> but on the on the flip side of some of the the best moments, uh, have there been any where you're tearing your your hair out and you don't think you're going to get through, or maybe it yes. something didn't work out? <laughs> yes. Uh, what comes first to mind? I had a tribute band on a cruise ship, Canadian band, so. Uh, now it's even worse. But back then, they have a special visa to come in the States because they're working, blah, 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 blah. On the visa, it states, how does it work? It, 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 I think it has the port of embarkation. Whatever port you're landing in the States has to be in the visa. They were going to come in the JFK. I think So it says New York or whatever. Hurricane in the Atlantic. Ship diverts. They divert them. And they're trying to come on in Boston or whatever. Total cluster, you know what? Government won't let them in. It's like, oh, my God. You know, it's, uh, yes, that was a, not a fun day. You walk in, that's the first thing you see, and you're dealing with that all day. And it's like challenge after challenge after challenge. And it's all because of a stupid political rule. That, you know, anyway, maybe it's not stupid. But in my site, you know, let them come in and perform. They're going to be in, they're going to step foot in the U.S. soil for an hour. They're going to land, hop on a transfer van, get to the ship. And as soon as they're on the ship, the ship is registered Bahamas, Netherlands, wherever it is, but it's not U.S. soil. So technically they're not in U.S. soil. Anyway. In, in hindsight, I mean, if you could go back to yourself at that point and say, hey, why don't you try this instead of that? Or, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. I, I agree. Uh, now, the bands that I have that are Canadian bands that work a lot for me, I have them buy, I forgot what it's called. B, it's a different visa. And it was the, the visa was made for circus performers. <laughs> so, but now every entertainer is jumping on it because they get the visa. It's minuscule, like a hundred bucks or less for the year. And it doesn't matter. You go in wherever you want. So that's it. You've got to get that visa because it, you don't have to land here or whatever. So yes, there's, you always learn from your mistakes. And if you don't shame on you. <laughs> so if there's anyone out there that's listening and uh, whether they want to start their own business or they want to get into similar position as you uh, working in the, in, in the entertainment industry, I mean, what advice would you offer up to them? Work hard. It looks easy, but it's not easy. Like any business in the world, the harder you work at it, the luckier you get. It's an old cliche, but it's very true. 
be nice to everybody because the guy that's cleaning the floor here at the casino in 10 years, he might be in charge of the whole casino. And I've seen that happen multiple times in both the cruise industry and the casino industry Uh, and just treat everybody with respect. Um, I am not a believer in winner take all far from it. I think when you sit at a table and I have an entertainer and I have a client that's going to book the entertainer and I'm in the middle, I think everybody at that table has to win and everybody has to give a little bit. But my idea is that I want to make a great deal for everybody You walk away. Okay. It wasn't as much as I could have gotten, but it's good enough. And this guy's going to come back to me in the next 10 years and book more stuff for me. So treat everybody with respect, be nice to everybody because you never know. And most importantly, if there's anybody that wants to get in touch with you to book for a show or whatever the case may be, or maybe just follow along on, on social media, uh, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter. I like Twitter. I get all my news from Twitter, like for industry news. Basically, I have a I follow certain people, Las Vegas news, which shows are opening, whatever. Uh, it's at Rojas, R-O-J-A-S, talent. And that's my website, rojastalent.com, R-O-J-A-S, talent.com. It's a Spanish J. (laughs) H, but it's a J. Well, Edwin, thank you again for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you again for being patient with me. This this week has kind of went sideways on me. (laughs) All right. Life throws things at you. We just got to go with the flow. Nobody died. It's not always said. Nobody died. (laughs) I had a great chat and thank you for inviting me on. And I hope much success to you and hope to see this take off and, uh, this be your full-time gig. So you have the energy for it 24 <laughs> seven. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you don't mind just hanging around for a little bit and, but otherwise everyone, thanks for tuning in this week. We will catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you again, everyone, for taking time to tune in this week and each and every week. Whether you're on audio-only platform or you're checking out the YouTube channel, uh, keep up to date on future guests, live recordings, and new episodes by following the show on Facebook and Instagram. Both are at Rules of the Arena Podcast. And many of you asked, how can you help the show out? If you'd be so kind, head over to Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, and drop a review and make sure to leave a comment on there. I'd like to know what you think of the show. And if you like it and you think others might as, as well, shoot the, the share it with them. Tell them where they can find it, uh, where you listen to, or have them, or you can share on Instagram or Facebook. It really does help me out. And I also have a website up and running now at rulesofthearenapodcast.com where, where you can see the new line of shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, and I got all sorts of stuff lined up on there. And you can, don't forget also to go check out my other show called No Story Left Behind. You can follow NSLB on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. And all episodes are released on its own feed and wherever you find podcasts. I also have episodes on YouTube on the ROA channel. And just click on the NSLB playlist. You'll find that there. If you have any questions, concerns, show ideas, or would like to be a guest on the show, shoot me an email, gordon at blindninjastudios.com. And Rules of the Arena and No Story Left Behind are produced and distributed by Blind Ninja Studios. Follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Blind Ninja Studios and on Twitter, blind underscore ninja. Thank you, everyone, and I will catch you next week.